Thanks for tuning in to the Voyage Church Podcast. Our desire is that today's message will be significant for all of us on the voyage of becoming. All right, um, week three of our series, Tomb to the Room. If you're a first-time guest, um, I really, really, really encourage you to go to our podcast, Apple or Spotify, and listen to um, the past two weeks. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just let you know, um, the first two weeks I was teaching, all right, I was teaching about the Holy Spirit. Um, today is Pentecost Sunday, and if you didn't don't know what Pentecost is, or you're like, dude, the last time I heard Pentecost was like Pentecostal, and it got weird, um, I'd just like you to know that um, we've said it every single week, Holy Spirit's not weird, he's wild, people are weird, they'd be weird without the Holy Spirit, all right? Don't forget it. So the past two weeks I've taught, and there's a difference between teaching and preaching. A lot of people don't know this, but, um, you know, there's actually... Uh, actually, I was just looking this up the other day, and I like to be accurate around here, so let's do that. Amen? Um, so there's actually only 17 times in the Gospels does it say Jesus was preaching. 52 times it says Jesus was teaching. And there are four instances where it says Jesus was teaching and preaching. A lot of people are like, what's the difference? There is a difference. Um, to teach is to, to dive in and to explain a truth and, and get it to the place where some people don't know how to apply truth. Some people don't know how to walk it out and live it out. To preach is to declare a truth and almost prophetically speak it into someone's life where they feel empowered. So for the past two weeks, I've taught on the Holy Spirit. I want you to know on Pentecost Sunday, my whole goal today is to preach, okay? So you can say, go ahead, let the skinny jeans preach. Go ahead, white boy, I don't care. Holler back, respond, whatever. But I'm gonna preach today, okay? So I'm not gonna break down as many Greek words. Now, I've done all that, and I will say, good teaching allows good preaching. And when we do really good study, then we can take some truths and we can declare what the word of God says about them. So I'm gonna preach today, and if you're okay with that, I might get a little rowdy, and um, I'll just tell you preaching's better when you respond to it. Say amen. amen. So say mm, whatever, okay? Whatever you want to do. And I know maybe you didn't grow up in a church that did that, and you're like, oh, that's for show. Actually, it's not. It's a spiritual principle. It, set, it actually talks about amen. The word amen means so be it or let it be. When someone responds to a truth with the statement amen, they are in the supernatural, in the spirit, saying let that truth be in my life. This is not some weird spiritual term that just Christians say. No, it has prophetic implications. I want that truth alive in my life. But I want you to know that when you respond to the word of God, it's because you are saying, hey, that bears witness with my spirit, with what is on the inside of me, what God has placed in me. So I'm gonna preach. Here we go. I don't have a lot of time, but I'll make a lot of time. Here we go. It's okay. We're going to one service in a little bit. Second Corinthians 3, 5 through 6 he has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. This is a covenant not written of laws, but of the spirit. The old covenant ends in death. Everyone say death. Welcome to church. But the, under the new covenant, the spirit gives life. Everyone say life. Exodus 32, 19 through 28, going to read this quick. This is just a little setup for something later. When they came near the camp, Moses saw the calf and the dancing, and he burned with anger. Moses had gone up. He got the Ten Commandments from the Lord. He came down. The people couldn't wait. They ended up making a golden calf, and they started worshiping it. He took the calf they had made, and he burned it. Then he ground it into powder and threw it into the water and forced the people to drink it. Gangster. Okay, I don't care who you are. Gangster. 
Moses got off the mat. He said, I just met with the Lord. Try me. Make another golden calf. I dare you. Drink it. Drink it. Anyway, sorry. I was like, dang. My man went all out. Verse 21, finally he turned to Aaron and demanded, Why did these people, what did these people do to you to make you bring such terrible sin upon them? Don't get upset with me, my Lord, Aaron replied. You yourself know how evil these people are. They said to me, make us gods who will lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So I told them, whoever has gold jewelry, take it off. And when they brought it to me, I simply threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. Come on, Aaron sounds like some of y'all's kids. I don't know what happened. I just pulled the trigger, and the BB shot her in the head. I don't know what happened. I just looked at the Red Rider, and it just, I don't know. I just looked at the fireworks, and they just blew. I don't know what happened. I just had this lighter and these firecrackers. I don't know. I love that Aaron was just like, yeah, it's these people. I mean, I don't know. I just told them to take their gold jewelry off, and I was like, ah. And then I was like, ah. Anyways, obviously he's making excuses. Verse 25, Moses saw that Aaron had let the people get completely out of control, much to the amusement of their enemies. So he stood at the entrance to the camp, and he shouted, All who are on the Lord's side, come here and join me. And all the Levites gathered around him. Now, I don't have time to explain to you. There's 12 tribes, and of the 12 tribes, every tribe got land when they got into the promised land, except for the Levites, because the Levites were the ones entrusted with the temple of God. Usually when people get upset with the tithe, they're like, I don't understand why people want tithe and why the church always wants money. That was instituted in the Old Covenant, okay? Instituted in the Old Covenant because the Levites got no land. So the tithe that came to the storehouse were the Levites' inheritance. The Levites were the priests, the ones to take care of the temple. And so the Levites surely went to side with Moses because they're on the Lord's side. They're the ones entrusted with the presence of God. Can I tell you, some of you think when I'm saying that, like, oh, well, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a pastor. Well, good thing you're in the new covenant because the new covenant, everyone becomes a Levite. In the new covenant, everyone becomes a priest. We are the priesthood of believers, everyone. So the Levites gather around, and Moses told them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Each of you take your swords and go back and forth from one end of the camp to the other and kill everyone. Welcome to Pentecost Sunday. Even your brothers, your friends, and your neighbors. The Levites obeyed Moses' command, and about 3,000 people died that day. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would teach us today and that you would bring life. Let me pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I've answered questions every single week. The one question I want to answer this week, just simply, um, the first week we talked about who is he? The Holy Spirit. It's not an it. He's a person, a person of the Trinity. Last week, we answered two questions. And if you were at the 9 a.m., make sure you listen to 11 a.m. because I preached two different sermons by accident because, well, I had too much content. So I preached one for 9 and one for 11. But the first question at 9 a.m. that we addressed was, does he baptize? Does the Holy Spirit baptize? And we saw that in all four Gospels, it is, it, it, they all agree the fact that Jesus came to baptize us with Holy Spirit and fire. The second question we answered in the 11 a.m. service is, is he charismatic? And I know some people are like, well, those charismatics, they get crazy. They freak me out. And the problem is, is you've let someone else define something, and that's not the definition of it. The word charisma means gifts of grace. And so I just want you to know, if you're a Christian in the room, you're charismatic. You've been grace gifted, amen? And then all of the spiritual gifts, which we talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14, and then 1 Corinthians 13 is about love. Notice that you have what the gifts are in 12, love in the middle, and then how to operate in the gifts in 14 because love 
holds all things together. God is love. The gifts without love don't matter. But the gifts are actually for the purpose, they're gifts of grace, they're charismatic gifts for the purpose of showing grace to the world. They're not to make anything about us. They're not to take our eyes off of Jesus. They are about getting the grace of Jesus to a lost and broken world. So he is charismatic, and so are you if you follow Jesus, amen? But the question I'd, answer, I'd like to answer today is, is he Pentecostal? Hey, now, someone's like, you're about to bring out snakes. No, I'm not. <clears throat> is he Pentecostal? Now, I'm going to ask a question, and if you don't want to answer, that's fine. But is there anybody in the room that is okay to answer this and be honest, and you are 50 years old in the room? Is anyone 50 years old? Exactly 50. Okay, one, two, keep your hands up, sorry. One, two, any exact 50. Okay, just one. One, two, three. All right, so I just want you guys to know something, okay? Are you ready? The word Pentecost, Pentecoste, it literally means 50. There's only three Pentecostals in the room today, okay? Three of them. There are three Pentecostals in this room. There are three 50-year-olds in this room. Those are the only Pentecostals in the room. What we have done is you and I have allowed someone else to define a word that literally means 50, and we get freaked out by it in church. Well, I don't go to those Pentecostal churches. What does that even mean? Because Pentecost means 50. So I have no idea what they're doing over there that freaks you out so bad. Or some people are like, I don't know. I think Voyage Church might be like one of those like charismatic Pentecostal churches. We're a grace-gifted church, and we believe in what happened 50 days after Passover. So I guess... Like, why are we so freaked out about things that we can easily define and then see that God did significant things? And I just want to be honest with you. If you're asking if we're a church that believes in all of it, that believes from beginning to end, in every single gift, in all of the power, we believe in healing. We believe in signs and wonders and miracles. We believe in the faithfulness of God. We believe that we're going to experience pain. We believe that we can suffer well for the sake of the gospel. We believe that people can be healed. We know that not everyone gets healed all the time, but we know that God is still faithful and will always ask for healing and will never say, God, if it's your will, because it is God's will. And that if someone dies and goes to heaven, guess what? They're healed. Pain is gone. No more sickness. We just believe all of it. All of it. And we're not going to get freaked out because someone else mishandled the truth of God. We will be like the Bereans. The Bible says that they, after hearing Paul's teaching, they went and studied themselves approved. They got in the word themselves. The Apostle Paul wrote over half the New Testament for the Bereans. I like the Bereans. I feel like I'd have hung out with the Bereans. The Bereans is like, good, bro. I'm about to go study it out for myself, though, because I'm not just about to trust you. Because I've got the Holy Spirit. I've got the greatest teacher. And so to answer your question, is he Pentecostal? Well, the answer would be 50 days after Passover is the Feast of Pentecost. Jesus, crucified, resurrected at the time of Pente or at Passover, and 50 days later, a feast that Jews would celebrate all the time. They showed up to Jerusalem, and they showed up there for the Feast of Pentecost. It also can be called the Feast of Harvest or the Feast of Wheats. It's also, I think, some spiritual implication there that Jesus says to the disciples, don't go anywhere until the Holy Spirit comes on you. And when he does, you'll receive power to be my witnesses. In other words, you're going to need the Holy Spirit to go gather a harvest. 
God was very intentional that he would send the Holy Spirit on the Feast of Harvest because he was prophetically implying, I am sending the one that will allow you to bring in the great harvest, the lost and broken, to be saved and restored. In the Hebrew Bible, Pentecost is the annual harvest festival that occurs seven weeks after Passover. And it became an important Christian holiday after God poured out the Holy Spirit upon Jerusalem on the first Pentecost after Christ's resurrection. Acts 2, 1 through 4. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together. Um, This word together is the same word that is used often in Scripture when it talks about being of the same mind and the same purpose. I want you to know that the Holy Spirit moves in groups of people who will gather and be of the same mind. Can I tell you what has no place in the church? Dissension, disunity, divisiveness, backbiting, gossip. Holy Spirit doesn't pour out on people like that. He pours out on people of the same mind and the same purpose. And so they're all together in this room in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. I just, I don't know if you ever read the Bible and think about that, but think about being in an upper room. I don't know if you've ever stepped outside during a hurricane. If you're a Floridian, you have, let's be honest. Um, You know, if you're not from Florida, you're like, we gotta go. And we're like, hey, y'all wanna come to a hurricane party? Um, We're gonna do s'mores in the back, as long as it's not raining, you know? And so if you've ever stepped outside during a hurricane, I need you to imagine a wild wind inside of a room. So they're up there. This mighty windstorm, it fills the house house where they were sitting, and then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared, settled on each of them. This represents the fire of God, the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus is gonna come and baptize you with Holy Spirit and with fire, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. If you want to know what we believe about tongues, you need to go listen to the past few messages, and I break down the three different kinds of tongues in Scripture. But this one specifically is known languages because you have people from cultures all over that have traveled for the Feast of Harvest, for the festival of harvest. And so because they're there, I joked last week, it's what I call a reverse mission trip. You didn't have to raise any money to go on this mission trip. The nations came to Jerusalem and God gave these people by the spirit the ability to speak the truth of God because look, there ain't no TikTok, all right? You're not going live on YouTube and getting yourself there. They are getting the gospel to these other languages because when these people leave Jerusalem, now the gospel's going with them. And so that is what, that's the languages they were speaking. Now, I want you to jump down, and we're going to be in Acts 2, look at verse 12. They, this is the people in the city, okay, not the ones in the upper room, but the people who have traveled. It says, they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. I love it. So what this actually means then is that while there's known languages being heard, for some of these people, it is potential possibility that what is coming out of their mouths sounds like gibberish, but some people are able to hear it in their own language because God is getting the truth of the gospel to them for their people, okay? Now, with that being the case, that means that there are some people hearing a known language and other people not. I don't know if that has anything to do with posture 
but I would just venture far enough to say that you could be in a room like this and you could be cynical and critical in heart and someone just seven seats away from you have their life wrecked by the presence and the goodness of God and you walk out and be like, oh, I was all right. What happened? Were you just someone who potentially was around a move of God, but because of the posture of your heart being cynical, or like, ah, it's not real. They're just crazy anyways. And I would just challenge you. When was the last time you laid your pride down, your cynicism, your critical heart to say, God, if you are who you say you are, prove it. I'm gonna humble myself in this moment. And here's the thing, if God's not real, then you pick your pride up and you march yourself right out of here and you keep doing you, boo-boo. You go live your life and do whatever you wanna do. But if he is who he says he is, if he can transform your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and make you a man, there's a man in the room who says, it's just how I am. It's just how I was raised. Well, I just want you to know, you might just think, well, I was just born like this. Well, to get in the kingdom, you gotta be born again anyways. And I'm telling you that God will transform your life. I don't know. I'm just not passionate. I just don't have zeal. That's okay. Get born again, and he'll make you born again with passion and with zeal. Because this gospel we preach, I can show you from times past, flipped people's lives upside down. They were unrecognizable. The apostle Paul, who wrote over half the New Testament, was a Christian killer. He was Saul. He had to have his name changed to Paul because if his name would have kept getting out there, people would have been like, uh-uh. And there were still people who knew who he was and were like, nope, I don't want anything to do with him, God. And God's like, it's okay, he's my chosen instrument. I know chosen instrument to torture all my cousins. I saw it. And God's like, no, 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 I transformed his life. Unrecognizable. And so there's people who are balking at this. And then I love this, verse 14, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Y'all know where assuming gets you. We'll leave it there. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. I love, I love Peter's honesty, though, right? It's only nine, bro. When we drank wine with Jesus, it was always way later. We turn up different with Jesus, nine in the morning. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike. I know some people will be like, well, I don't think women should. Same Holy Spirit, men and women alike. And they will prophesy, only the men, no men and women. And I will cause wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke, which again, that right there points all the way back to when God brought the, brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. They put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. They were led by a pillar of fire and smoke, and it led them to the promised land. It was the presence of God. It's the same thing that will lead you to your promise, which is freedom in Christ. And verse 20 says, the sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red. And this is a sign of the last times. And we already see some of this happening. Just know the day is getting closer. And it says, before that great and glorious day, the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I want to be very clear that when the Holy Spirit pours out, it doesn't make people get kooky and weird and start talking about 
tongues and gifts, it makes people say, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if the Holy Spirit pouring out makes you want to talk about anything else more than people getting saved, we need to check our hearts. Because this was the purpose the Holy Spirit was poured out. So I want to just paint you a picture real quick, is that I don't know if you see who's preaching, but the guy that's preaching what I just read you is Peter. Now I know, be like, yeah, yeah, I was one of Jesus' you know, disciples, and he was there with him, and so it would make sense. He's probably got pretty good training. He's been with Jesus for three years. Yeah, he's been with Jesus for three years, but he's also the one that's always kind of stirring up, causing a little bit of trouble. He did get to walk on water, but then he also sank in water, right? He also is the one that's like, Lord, you can't wash my feet, right? I need to be washing your feet. It's like, look, if Jesus is going to serve you, don't tell Jesus what he can and can't do, all right? Not a good idea. Then he's like, hey, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. Lord, I will never do such a thing. That'll never happen. Three times before the rooster crows, Jesus' arrest, Peter denies him. Three times he denies him. And if you go look in the original language, it actually denotes that we just hear, we, if you read it in Scripture, you know, we play it safe. I don't know the man. I don't know what you're talking about. But there's a lot of explicitives in those phrases in the original language. Peter is going to the point to cuss people out, to say, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never known the man. Three times. The rooster crows. Peter realizes what he's done. Jesus dies. Three days later, he comes back to life. Jesus appears in a room where Peter's standing. Peter sees the resurrected Jesus. And after he sees the resurrected Jesus, do you know what Peter does? He says these Really, really horrifying words. I'm going fishing. Now, some of y'all are like, those are great words. <laughs> I want to go right now. I'm going fishing. You have to remember, Jesus found Peter fishing. Peter said, I'm going back to my old way of life. I failed. I screwed up. I told him I would never do it, and I did it. I'm coming back. There's no way he would forgive me, and even if he says he would, I, I can't even imagine that I would deserve it. And so Peter goes back. Peter's out fishing, doesn't catch any fish. Jesus shows up on the shore. John sees that it's Jesus, and I love that the Bible says Peter grabs his outer cloak and puts it on and jumps in the water. If you're going to swim, don't put more clothes on, okay? He puts his outer cloak on and swims 100 yards. I don't know if you try to swim 100 yards. Me and Sean had a gym membership. We were in Louisiana that had a pool. And I remember, I was like, oh, we're going to go swimming. And I was like, I'm going to do some laps. I'm going to do a down and back. And I started swimming. Olympic-sized pool. Started swimming. Getting pretty tired. Can't feel the end of the pool. Got to be close. Just got to take a breather. <clears throat> I'm not even halfway. I was like, oh, my God. 100 yards with all his clothes on. He gets to the shore, and when he gets to the shore, Jesus has fish cooking, what they couldn't catch all night. They ended up catching some right before he jumped in the water. Jesus tells them to throw his net, and they catch fish because of Jesus. And again, that points back to Jesus saying, hey, I'm the one that's going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to teach you what's most important. And then in that moment, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. And he asks him three times. 
And what this is, what's happening in this moment is that Peter is getting reinstated by Jesus. Peter has denied Christ three times, and now three times Peter uh, is, is being asked, do you love me? And he's saying, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And, and if we go into the Greek, I don't have time to teach it, but there's actually different Greek words being used there, and there's multiple words for love in Greek. And so Jesus is using some different ones, phileo, which is a friendship, then also this agape, this unconditional kind of love. But he's reinstating Peter, and at the end he says, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And in this moment, he's reinstating him. Now, I got to tell you this because I know some of you, are like, Pastor John, I thought this was about Pentecost. It is about Pentecost. And remember, the man that's preaching is the man that I'm telling you about right now. But what is very interesting is that the man that spent three years with Jesus, I know you could have been raised in church, but I don't know about the whole like baptism, the Holy Spirit thing. I just think I get all of it when I get saved. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you. But you can go all throughout the book of Acts, and there's a difference between the Holy Spirit within and the Holy Spirit upon. Acts chapter 8, people receive the word of God. This is after the death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and the sending of the Holy Spirit. These people receive the word of God in Acts chapter 8, and it says they asked for Peter and John to come and lay hands on them that they might have the Holy Spirit come upon them. It's a separate working. You're going to have to ask for the Holy Spirit to come upon you, to be baptized. And I need you to see that Peter, three years with Jesus, denied three times, reinstated by the Lord, and he tells him, feed my sheep. I don't know about you, but I would think, well, Peter's good. All right, bro, you've been forgiven. You've been reinstated. Come on, get out there, bucko. Preach the gospel. He says, Peter, don't you dare leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Because Peter... You've seen me do ministry. You've seen how I work. I've proved the fact that you don't have the ability to not deny me, even in as close as you feel to me, because there's something you yet are yet to possess. And so here's what happens. Uh, I'm not going to read Luke uh, 22, guys, in the back. I already told him about the uh, Peter's denial, so we're good. Okay. Peter denies, and I need you to understand in your life that God wastes nothing. Romans 8, 28 says this, that God works together everything for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I was thinking about that scripture the other day. I was talking with a friend, and I was thinking about the reality that, isn't it interesting that God can work everything together for good? Does anybody like to cook in the room? Okay, handful of you. Please invite us over. But if you like to cook in the room, there is no way that I could buy you ingredients and buy you a a, 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 let's say a chunk of rotten ingredients and some good ingredients and you be able to make a good meal out of it. You have to use all of it. You would be incapable of doing so. I need you to know that your denial, your sin, your past is the rotten ingredients that only God can actually look at it and say, I'll waste nothing. I'll use every single ingredient and what will come out will be good. Only God can do this. Only God, the greatest chef, if you will. He's the only one that can take all the ingredients, no matter rotten or whatever, and he can make something good out of it. Peter struggled to know that this could be true. So Jesus reinstates him for 40 days. Jesus spends time on the earth after his resurrection, and he appears to people. The Bible tells us that at one point, he appears to over 500 people at one time. And then at 40 days, you know what he says? He tells the disciples, this is the ascension. Jesus is about to be raised up to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. He says, wait in Jerusalem until the promise of the Holy Spirit. For 10 days, these people go up into the upper room, 
and they begin to fast and to pray for 10 days for this promise that Jesus is speaking of. I have three things I want you to write down. First one is this. What I see with the upper room that has to happen in us, and I believe that God has given a mantle for Voyage Church to carry, is number one, those people were up there for 10 days. They had a hunger for the Holy Spirit. They had a hunger for the Holy Spirit. I guarantee you, if anybody's leading the charge in that room, it's Peter. Because some people are like, man, why can't we just get out there and preach the gospel? And Peter's like, you think you'd be able to, but I denied him three times, and I told him I wouldn't. I'm telling you that I don't have what it takes. He said that there's something else, and I'm staying in this room until I get it. Because the last time I tried to do this thing without whatever he's about to send us, it didn't work. Do you know how many Christians have Jesus as Savior, but they don't know Holy Spirit as vindicator? You know, a vindicator is someone that removes the shame. It's someone that allows you to walk in that which you shouldn't be able to because of what you've done. The Holy Spirit is the vindicator. The Holy Spirit is the one where Jesus is like, guys, I know you love me, but I am literally leaving. I won't be around you anymore. When someone asks you a question and you're like, I don't really know what to do, you're not going to be like, just listen. He's about to preach. Just listen to him. Listen to him. Or how about when a man asked the disciples to pray for his son who was demon-possessed, and the father said, your disciples couldn't cast it out. Why not? I could imagine in those times it'd be nice to like, all right, guys, come on. Let's pray. Let's pray. Demon, we cast you out. And then the demon's like, like, oh, dang, snap. Hey, just take him to Jesus. Take him to Jesus. He's got it. You can't do that anymore. Jesus is gone. So either he's sending you something for that not to happen again, or Peter specifically knows there's no way I'm walking out of this upper room if something else doesn't show up and I live for him consistently. I can't do it. I tried it when he was on the earth. I tried it when I saw him get arrested in the garden. There's got to be a hunger for the Holy Spirit. For 10 days, they wait. Number two is this. Confidence, no matter your past. Do you know who walked out and preached that message? Peter. And I know some of you are like, I know, you already said it. Well, let me help you a little bit more. 50 days ago, he was cussing people out saying, I don't know the man. 50 days ago, He was doubting his calling. He went back fishing. And 50 days later, he steps out of the upper room and he preaches the gospel boldly and begins to declare the prophetic word from the book of Joel. What was the X factor? What was the game changer? The Holy Spirit showed up. He had been with Jesus in the flesh. He had spent three years in his ministry. He had seen the dead raised, blind eyes open, lame people walk. Some of you need to understand today, you love Jesus. You're like, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I'm going to go to heaven when I die, but I'm still really uncomfortable about my past. And if someone finds out about what I did, God, I would be mortified. And I need you to know the Holy Spirit will give you a confidence to get over and get past your past to the point where you can stand up in front of people because there were people that he was preaching to that were like, you're the one who just denied him. I actually asked you the stinking question if you knew him. You think you're going to get out here and preach? And Peter's like, yes, I am because I've got a different thing on my life now. I got the Holy Spirit. I, 
I know Jesus, but the spirit that I saw him walking with, the thing that drew me to him, he just gave it to me. So it's no longer God around me, it's God within me. Some of you are struggling to get past your past. You're like, I've given my heart and my life to Jesus. Have you asked for the Holy Spirit to baptize you and come upon you? Because it's not about tongues, it's not about prophecy. For some of you, it's about confidence to get past your past so that God can boldly use you. And number three, the last one is this. The boldness to proclaim truth into the present for the sake of others' future. Boldness to proclaim truth into the present for the sake of others' future. Some of you have some people in your life, and you're like, man, if, if I just could find the words to be able to share with them how good God is, but sometimes all I can do is just kind of end up at going, well, just come to church. Look, invite people to church. That's fine. But I need you to know that God's not waiting for you to convince your friend to come to church for their life to be changed. The Holy Spirit's wanting to empower you over a cup of coffee to let them know how good and faithful your God is. And when you feel like, I don't have the words, I don't know enough of the Bible, that's fine. Jesus said, when I send you the Holy Spirit, he'll remind you of everything that I've taught you. Some of you can look up here and be like, wow, when Pastor John preaches, you don't understand that a lot of this is Holy Spirit, and I've spent time in the Word. There are scriptures that just come to my mind up here that aren't on these notes. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's bringing to my remembrance. For what? For the sake of declaring truth in your present for the sake of your future. When the Holy Spirit came in the upper room, it changed everything for the future of Christianity. We said this week one, but I hope you let it sit deep within your soul. If Jesus just dies on the cross, you and I are impressed. But if he sends the Holy Spirit, we're empowered. I don't want you to come to church and be impressed. No one is here performing for you. I'm not here to say things that tickle your ears and make you happy. I'm here for you to be empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can live the life that God died for you to live. And the last scripture is this, Acts chapter two, worship team, they can come out. So let everyone in Israel know for certain, this is Peter preaching, that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Look, bro, you gotta have some boldness to step out into a city that just crucified your boy and to get out there and say, hey, just to let y'all know, it is God. By the way, everything he's saying, according to the Jews, is blasphemous. God made this Jesus whom you killed to be Lord and Messiah. Oh, this is making some Jewish people upset. How is he doing it? Holy Spirit. Boldness. How come he didn't do that 50 days ago? Holy Spirit. Verse 38, Peter replied, each of you must repent and turn, uh, repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Here's what I love about Christianity. Christianity is not an exclusive thing. Oh, that church has got clicks. No, we don't. You just got hurt by, by, by clicks and friends that kept you out, and then you come to a place where people are building relationships, and you immediately assume that it's clicky. When we're not exclusive, this is all inclusive. This is for any and everyone. Jesus said, for whosoever will. This is for everybody. And I love that Peter says, you can look at us and judge us and call us drunk, but I just want you to know you can have the same thing. Because when we were up there, God didn't say it was just for the 120. 
He just needed to empower 120 to go out into the city to say, it's for you too. It's for you too. It's for you too. For all who call on the name of the Lord. And then I love the way that he ends his sermon here. Are you ready? The, this promise is to you and to your children and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. I kind of preacher. Strongly urging all his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. Look at me, some of you that, again, I want to be clear with the scripture because some of you are like, wait, I thought Jesus saved me. Yes, Jesus saves you in the supernatural. But you and I have a natural responsibility to keep ourselves from being corrupted by this day and age. And look, you can try to boycott everybody you want to boycott. That's fine. Do your thing. But if you're doing it because you like the idea of conservatism and not the idea of Christ in you, you're not going to experience freedom anyways. You'll still be corrupted. But you and I have a natural responsibility to recognize things in our culture and go, no, 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 that doesn't come into my household. No, 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 no. I know my kid's going to bucket me, but they don't get full access to YouTube anymore. We, we just got saved, and everything's changing up in here. And look, they might not like you for a bit, but you and I have to understand, moms and dads in the room, that we have a responsibility. There are moms and dads in this room that are still operating with undealt trauma. And you allow yourself to be so small-minded to think that something that they would see on the Internet won't put a trauma in their lives that they'll be dealing with at 37. Do you want to know how you save yourself from this crooked generation? Closeness with the Holy Spirit. No, I just sensed the Holy Spirit said, we're not watching that anymore. I'm sorry. I know you can think whatever you want to think, baby, but I'm just letting you know I have a responsibility of what gets inside this household. And I know that what you let in gets in you. Whatever gets in you comes out of you. Whatever comes out of you, you attract. And I'm going to do my job until you're 18 and you go do your thing that I'm going to protect that which you'll attract. Young people, look at me right now. That could get annoying, but you would rather be annoyed in the flesh and free in the spirit. I'm mic drop all day long. It's Pentecost. Don't play with me. We'll worship till 11 a.m. service. This is our last time doing two services. Are you ready? Verse 41. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. Hmm. About 3,000 in all. Rewind. I don't know, Moses. I just, you know, the people are evil. I know you went up there to get the Ten Commandments, all the do's and don'ts from God, but, but they wanted something to worship. I threw a little bit of jewelry, boop, calf, I don't know. Moses says, no, 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 no. I just went and got commandments from God. If you're on the Lord's side, come on the Lord's side. If not, I'm sorry, but you're going to be removed. And I know we can read that scripture and be like, I thought you were talking about a loving God. Killed 3,000 people? You don't understand. It's not about God killing people. It's that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the gift of God, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus comes, and I love the fact that when Jesus dies, he now gives us eternity eternal life and when the Holy Spirit comes this is why the scripture I read it to you the law brings death the Ten Commandments 
try to keep it. You'll just get revealed that we can't do it. You'll be like Peter. I just keep messing up. I just keep messing up. Because the Ten Commandments revealed that there's death. But the Holy Spirit brought life. 3,000 people died in the Old Covenant. 3,000 people got saved in the New Covenant. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not checking boxes at church. Jesus is my Savior, but the Holy Spirit is my empowerment. Because if he saved me, I want the boldness and the power to look anybody in the face, even the ones that are like, you're just crazy. Call me crazy, but it's only crazy till it works, till I start walking in freedom, till you start going, hold up. I know your trauma. I know you are always blaming on everybody else. What has set you free? I had an encounter with the gospel. I received the power of the Holy Spirit and everything changed. If you're in this room today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, he comes to bring you life. And, and I know it could just be like, I, I would do you a disservice being like, you can die and go to heaven. What Jesus did for you, yes, one day you'll die and go to heaven. What Jesus did for you is he died for you to live right here, right now, a full life. A full life. Your family issues, he gives you the power to walk in and be light. What's happening in the midst of your marriage where you're sitting here today after the fight you had last night going, I don't know if it can keep going, and the Holy Spirit will restore that which you can't. We you stand to your feet this morning all over the room? 50 days after Jesus dies on the cross, the Holy Spirit comes. And Jesus is said to be the one to come and baptize us with Holy Spirit and fire. And I want to be very clear today. This isn't about a moment. This is about him pouring something on your life that gives you momentum to walk in the things of God. But I did, I told the team, hey, I need you guys to be ready because I think the Holy Spirit's going to pour something out. Because there are some things that God only does corporately. Then there are some things that God only does privately. And we need both. I need time with God alone, and I need time in the room with you all. And when they were 120 in one accord, the Holy Spirit was poured out. There are some of you in this room, you don't know Jesus. Today is the day of salvation for you. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know today, this is not for me to get your hand and count numbers and call pastor friends and be like, we had 27 people get saved. No, no, this is for your life to be forever changed. If you want salvation, the Bible says you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. If that's you today, Tell him. Confess him. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're Lord. I repent of my sin. I believe in my heart that you are who you say you are. I'm going to live for you all the days of my life. And if you do that today, today is the beginning of your voyage with Jesus. But there's some others of you in the room. You've been in church. Some of y'all know the Bible better than me. You can answer all the questions. But you've been living in your own power and you've hit a point of weakness, and you've hit a point of exhaustion. Some of you are weary in life, in your marriage, in your parenting, in your job, 
and you're like, I need a fresh fire. I need a fresh wind in my sails. And I read my Bible and I pray and I do devotional. I try. And I need you to know trying's over. It's time to just receive. It's time to ask for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's time to ask to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. And I'm telling you that when you ask, you receive. Jesus said, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to people who ask? So heads bowed, eyes closed. Is there anyone in here today that's like, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? I want to ask. If that's you, will you lift your hand in the room right now? Yeah. If that's you and you just lifted your hand, I'm calling you to something else. I want you to come down up front right now. And I saw your hand, so I'll come off the stage and get you. I don't care. And some of you, you've already received this. Can I tell you that there's a fresh outpouring that can happen? Fresh fire. Holy Spirit, baptize me. And remember what baptism is. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives in you. Drinking a bottle of water doesn't baptize you. That just puts water on the inside. Baptism is immersion. That's upon you. And so here's what we're going to do. The Bible says that often in the book of Acts, the apostles would come and lay hands. But that they would ask for the Holy Spirit. The team's going to lead us. If you're down here, will you just ask God? You don't need anything from John. You need to ask God. God, will you baptize me with Holy Spirit and fire? Will you have a hunger like they did in the upper room for 10 days? They were hungry. Holy Spirit, I can't do this without you. Some of you are like Peter. You've denied over and over again. But guess what? Peter knew that if I wait in this room, I'm going to get something that's going to empower me. And I'm not going to be a denier. Because Peter went from denier to declarer within 50 days. Within 50 days, he went from denier to declarer. So come on, ask. Holy Spirit, baptize them. Holy Spirit, pour it out. Fresh fire, fresh wind, fresh fire, fresh wind. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to check us out on thevoyage.church to stay updated on everything God is doing in our city.